Why haven't you seen the gold Why haven't you seen Surviving Desire? Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Wise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast, where each uh, episode I have a guest, and uh, of course I am Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and my guest comes on and uh, introduces me to a film that I've never seen before, and in return I introduce them to a superhero or a comic m- movie that they've never seen before. And today my guest is Aaliyah Miller. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm glad to have you on. Um, I I know you from uh, from Super Zero podcast, um, mm-hmm. and that is a, a great podcast where uh, she and Matt Brown cover all sorts of different superhero movies uh, in a, a somewhat similar format as this, because Matt yeah. Brown is someone who is very well-versed in superhero movies, and Aaliyah is not well-versed in the uh, the comic book side. And, and so each episode is kind of an introduction for her to some of the, the backstories and, and connections for all these superhero movies. Um, <clears throat> but why don't you go ahead and, and tell everybody uh, where else they can find you? I'm also um, half of the What She's Having podcast, which is um, all romantic comedies. And we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but we're hoping to start it up again soon. I don't know when. We don't have a date, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a fun show and we want to keep it going. Yeah, the, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of just genre podcasts and, and blogs in general since yeah. I since I basically run one myself and uh, I'm I'm not as huge a fan of uh, chick flicks and romantic comedies, um, so I haven't uh, put that one into my playlist yet. But yeah, <laughs> but I might check out uh, a few episodes because there are some that that I do enjoy. Yeah, it's a funny um it's a funny genre and I think that we also kind of approach it from like more of a what is wrong with these movies kind of stance, right? So it's like if we can maybe get some people who are really into romantic comedies that don't really think about maybe the sexual politics or what's going on really underneath the surface, then like if we could maybe like have people thinking a little bit differently about the genre because it is, it's like relationship movies are great. Everyone loves them. Right. So, Mm. but they could be so much better than they currently are. Yeah. My, my biggest issue whenever my wife decides to put on a, a, uh, one of the really cheesy romantic comedies is in the first five or 10 minutes, I I and I I do this and I annoy her some sometimes. <laughs> I will go through the entire I will predict the entire yeah, plot yeah. of the movie in broad strokes. And yeah. it's like have you seen this before? No, I haven't <laughs> seen it before. It's just so predictable. Yeah, I have seen 20 movies just like it before. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um but now it's time to get to know a little bit more about your film tastes. Uh, so I have a few questions for you. Yes. Um, so what are three films that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm-hmm. The House Sitter, and probably, I don't know what the third, like it's tough to kind of pare things down, but maybe like The Birdcage? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've... 
Now I know I've heard of the house sitter, but it's not it's not clicking for me. Which movie is that? It's a um, Steve Martin Goldie Hawn romantic comedy, and it is like so funny and weird. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. It's yeah, funny and weird, and it is fantastic. I've seen it like a hundred times, and I never I will never get sick of it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I've caught that one myself, but uh, uh, yeah, I have I've definitely heard of it. Um, Pay others, and um, and I know Ferris Bueller. That's that's always a, a, a great. A, it's a favorite of mine. Yeah. Uh, especially the like the ending and the fourth wall breaks. I always love those throughout mm-hmm. the film. Um, and then and the on the other side of things, what's your favorite film that favorite film that you've only seen once? Um, I'm gonna go with Upstream Color. Hmm. Which I just it it have you have you seen it? I have not seen it. Uh, I I have just recently watched Primer for the first time yeah. for uh, for this this will be two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, yeah. It kind of it's the same kind of like it's as confusing <laughs> as, as Primer, but it takes it's much much more arty, like very very arty. And I don't know, and that's not like a bad thing. It's just like, I don't really know how to describe it. But I was, I had like a strange, there's something about that movie that just like punched me right in the feelings. So I, the end of it, I was just, I was in the theater with a friend just inconsolably bawling my eyes out at the end. But I was just like, but still like, I'm like, I know this is a movie, like I'm fine. And then I'm like, okay, I've got it. Like the credits are almost done. Like I've got it. I pulled it together. And then I'm like, nope. And then just start trying again. (laughs) so um so that's why i can't watch it again but i really did love it very nice yeah i've heard it described at least i think i've heard it described as almost like a tome poem of a film yeah 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 that's a that's a really good description better than i could come up with (laughs) all right and and of course i ask everybody uh what is your favorite superhero film that is if you had asked me before we had started um Super Zero, I probably might have said, like, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but, like, I really, really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I'm See, this is, like, I want to, like, say a bunch of movies because I'm just, like, a big fan of the genre now, right? But, like, growing up, I loved Darkman and Tank Girl a lot. But to combine, like, everything, I think Dark Knight is my favorite overall. Mm. I've probably seen it the most. And it's, like, as far as just being, like, a really great movie and what they... Just the whole, like, that trilogy of, like, switching around. Sorry, too much coffee. Switching (laughs) around, like, just what that character means to the world, like how the world perceives those films, right, is just Mm -hmm. so impressive. But I really do like Dark Knight. Yeah, and I I think Tank Girl is is a very interesting film. Um, And one that not a whole lot of people would put as their favorite. I I know I I wasn't a huge fan, uh, but I could see the appeal of it. Like I like I loved Laurie Petty in the role, but that was about the only thing that I could latch on to myself. Yeah, and I wasn't because I still haven't read. I haven't read the comics. I'm going to read the comics because we are going to do Tank Girl for the new season of Super Zero. So I'm going to have to re-familiarize myself with that. But uh, when I was when it when it came out, I I loved it. I think that we rented it like every week. <laughs> so I've seen that movie a lot, but I haven't really seen it since I was a kid. So it'll be interesting to revisit it. Yeah, it's very of its time. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. 
Yeah, and and uh, just something else I wanted to mention, and I do mention it here quite a bit, but I'm a little bit like you, uh, at least whenever I started, because whenever I started my site, because I am not a comic book reader myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much all of my superhero knowledge comes from the movies and the TV shows. Right. Uh, so that I always think that's kind of an interesting perspective because it, it's we get to see just a, a certain piece of a lot of these characters that has this giant backstory yeah. uh, that quote unquote real fans of the characters uh, yeah <laughs> would of. yeah it's really interesting to come from that perspective too and like why I like doing Super Zero so much is because like it's you know, how how fluid are these characters allowed to be? Like, are they one thing in movies and one thing in comics? But the people who, you know, who read the comics, if it's like the first incarnation, like they feel like they own the idea of that character, right? So to see it Mm -hmm. done differently or to change things around, which, I mean, arguably the artists can do whatever they want, right? If they, I mean, Mm -hmm. as long as they have permission. So it's a, yeah, it's the, I find the whole thing really fascinating. Yeah, and and I know that there's there's a few movies out there that take a lot of liberties with the yeah. character, and um, whenever you are familiar with the character, you dislike all those changes. But if you're not familiar with the character, then I I think the movie stands up a lot better on its own. Yeah, yeah, like it would be silly for a filmmaker to be like, well, this doesn't, this is going to make the movie worse, but <laughs> it's loyal at least to the comics. Like, no, that's a poor decision to make. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and I know that you pretty much already do two podcasts on what could be considered a narrow niche of, of films, although mm-hmm. I think romantic comedy is a pretty broad genre. Um, but if you were to to pick another one, or maybe to even narrow one of one of those two down a little bit further to to do another blog or podcast on, or or even just like one of your favorites, so what would that be? Um, I had actually, cause I've considered starting this, but I haven't, I'm, I'm a lazy person, so I haven't started it yet, but, um, Canadian film probably is the next one that I would do. Oh, very nice. I'm a big, I'm a big Canadian film nerd and there's a lot of stuff there to talk about and also stuff that just people, I mean, even most Canadians have no idea that these films exist, right? So yeah. it's, uh, It'd be hard to get listeners because <laughs> we're small. We're small enough. We're we're a, a small in population country, and even smaller amount of people who actually know these movies. But it would be interesting for me. Yeah, the the only one that that I know off the top of my head is a, a Canadian film. Um, is a it's like a, a little independent um, superhero film called Sidekick. Okay, that yeah. sounds very familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. I've seen a DVD of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know it exists, but uh, like at, at the used DVD shop, it was way overpriced. So mm. I I didn't pick it up. It was like almost twenty bucks, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I guess they they price it partly according to rarity. So I'm sure it was a rare film, but it's 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 also one of those films that I don't think anybody is clamoring to to pick up either. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Are you like, but you're like a completist, right? You're like, there's a superhero movie, I must have it. <laughs> right, I have a list of about 350 or close to 400 superhero movies that I intend to watch for my site. And, oh, wow. Uh, I, I think I'm uh, a little over halfway through them now. Yeah, nice. I had no idea there was that many. But I guess if you're like 
if you if you if you're looking for all of them, you're gonna right. find them. <laughs> yeah, and there there's a lot. I, I think my biggest gap right now is there is a whole lot of like re- of foreign films. There like there's a lot of Italian films from the '60s, like around oh, okay. the time of Batman. Uh, there was a whole bunch of Italian films, and there's a lot of uh, Asian films too. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Along with all, I, I think I've covered. I think there's only just a, a maybe ten, ten to fifteen uh, like major superhero and comic book movies that I haven't covered on my site yet. <laughs> wow, that is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to you, uh, yes. and for the last question, what is your biggest film-wise right now? A film that you haven't seen yet, but you feel like you really should have gotten around to by now. This is a. Uh... This is a topical choice because the new Terminator movie just came out. And then I was talking with someone. People were talking about the plot and how it doesn't make sense and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? I don't think that I've seen Terminator. <laughs> like, I might have caught bits and pieces. But when people are making references to, like, this one or this one or whatever, and I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's my current – that's at the top of the list that I've been getting a lot of, you haven't seen what? <laughs> <laughs> have you not seen either of them or just? No, I don't think I have. Like, yeah. I cannot. I I have a vision of T-1000 running after a car. That's all yeah. I can think of. And I only really remember that guy because he was on the X-Files later. <laughs> and that's okay. the only reason why I was like, hey, that guy's familiar. I'm like a dog it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I'm also like you. I, I only caught the first two Terminator films um, just this past year or so. I, I did... I did the first Terminator as a podcast, as an episode of of this show, um, I don't know, about 10 episodes or so back, and uh, Terminator 2, I was going to do for an episode, but then my guest flaked out on me, Mm. so I had watched it, and then... Um, then I didn't have a guest to come on with me to talk about. So, but right. uh, it, it was a good movie anyway. So I'm I'm glad I watched it, even though I, though I didn't get to talk about it. And mm-hmm. it, which, which that's always fun. That's whenever yeah. you have a podcast, it's like, oh, I I want to watch this film, but I want to save it for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had that, or I've had like watching like a movie that was just agony to get through for a podcast and then it didn't end up happening or whatever and I'm just like you owe me those three hours <laughs> like I can't believe I watched that like took notes and yeah so it's uh but it's fine I will watch all of the movies eventually <laughs> that's the goal right <laughs> yeah the impossible goal yeah because uh, I I think like more than 24 hours of film get produced every single day oh man <laughs> I don't uh, like that ratio yeah um, all right. Well, that comes to the film that you had me watch for the first time, and that is Surviving Desire. I believe you are sincere and good at heart. If you do not attain happiness, always remember that you are on the right road. Did anyone get the license plate of that thing that hit us last night? Above all, avoid falsehood. It looked like your mom, dude. <laughs> Every kind of falsehood. Yeah, that would make her your mom, too. Void fear. Got any moves left? Just this one. Just ask you.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, Hal Hartley movie from 93. I think it's his, I want to say it's his second or third, like it's early in his career. He did some shorts and then he did one or two features before that. And I uh, I feel like I maybe have met one or two people throughout my life who I can I can mention this movie and it is one of my favorite movies. And they'll be like, oh yeah, that's such a great movie. Because, you know, you have like fans of Hal Hartley are like few and far between. But uh, yeah, I really, I really love this movie. And I, it's funny because... I've been trying to like finagle a way to talk about it on like one of the like many podcasts that I go on. It would never kind of fit. And then when you brought it up, I was like, there's my chance. <laughs> yeah, but, and, uh, yeah. And and I'd heard the name Hal Hartley um, kind of thrown around on, on some podcast or other that I listened to, but he is someone that I wasn't really familiar with at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't even really heard of any of his, his filmography um, so this one was just completely out of the blue for for me to watch it. Yeah, and this is a funny, <clears throat> if I was going to introduce um, someone to him, this isn't necessarily the movie that I would pick because it is, it's a, it's a strange one. And you kind of have to, because he has a really like, he creates this world in all of his movies that really it's just kind of like this beautiful kind of surreal thing where it's like everyone speaks their mind and they have these weird philosophical conversations and people like hit each other at the drop of a hat. And it's just this very like honest world, but this one, so you get used to it, right? You get used mm-hmm. to the the humor and the language and everything like that. But this one's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's definitely a, a few really out there moments, uh, but I, I will say that for the most part, I, I did really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still think, I, I think the biggest thing to point out in this film is kind of a, about a third of the way through, it just goes into this random dance number. Yeah. This like interpretive dance number without any backing music. Yeah. And then you can hear the guys like counting yeah. for their, for their steps. Like, yeah, it is like the first time I saw this movie, that was my, the turning point for me. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Because it was just like, like, you know, I understand it as he just like his he's he's in love. Right. So he can't do anything else. He's just going to dance. And then he like at the end, he he digs his own grave and then he like martyrs himself. You know, it's like it's like, God damn it. That's weird. (laughs) But he was. uh, But that was actually the like I either read an interview or saw something about Hal Hartley talking about this movie. And he was just like, no, there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to do. Like I wanted to have a dance number. I wanted to have um, a music video with like the guys playing on the street. Like I wanted to do this, this and this. And he's like, I just put it all in one movie. So it's like, yeah, why not? It works. Yeah. And and that was that like music video that, that was also kind of an interesting uh, point for the film because it, it does, uh, I, I like that it does have like almost this excuse for it to be there and, and the way that it's set up. It's like you just you see the guy with the guitar um, and the microphone and then it cuts over to this uh, this woman in the window. And, and it's like uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like just this random profession of love. Mm-hmm. And then the camera sweeps out and then you see the entire rest of the band. Yeah. And not only that, but like there's also a couple bystanders, like there's a butcher <laughs> with a yeah, yeah, yeah. hand uh, just like tapping along to the music. And then this woman in the background doing this just wild, weird dance, yeah. just flailing her arms everywhere. 
Yeah, and then it's like, you know, it's still it still pushes the story forward because you can see that they were like the the two guys ran into each other and were like, "Okay, we'll meet over there," right? So it wasn't completely like, "Oh, let's just throw this in and then it's whatever." I mean, it's a it's an interesting way to have that transition in the movie because otherwise it would just be boring. They would just like meet each other on the street and be like, "Oh, hey, it's kind of, you know, that's been done." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a great song, too. It's like that song is yeah. super catchy. Yeah, I, I don't remember how it goes, but I I do remember really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I n- no idea who that band is, <laughs> or if they're like still doing things, if they just did it for the movie or whatever. But yeah, very catchy. Yeah, I get the I get the impression that they're like kind of a, a small indie band that's that kind of went on for a few years but never really gained a, yeah. any popularity. That sounds about right. <laughs> um. Another thing that I noticed about this film is just the the way the dialogue flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing that I kind of thought of, and, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but the dialogue sounds almost like a Kevin Smith movie without the profanity or the pop culture references. <laughs> if Kevin Smith were um, a smarter person, he <laughs> might be able <laughs> to come up with something like that. I was, yeah, I mean, that's like... They both are fantastic at writing dialogue, right? Like, but mm-hmm. there's a, a lyricism, I guess, for lack of a better term, with Hal Hartley's, and that I always I love so much the the first um, the conversation between um, Jude and uh, Henry in the coffee shop when he's they were they like figured it out they put their heads together and figured out that he was in love and he has <laughs> no other option but to go for it and it was like it always and it reminds me like I always go back to like my first year university like philosophy class or whatever that I was just like no they did the exact same thing (laughs) they were just like we're going to use language and we're going to figure this out and there you go off you go yeah the the other thing that I noticed is is it does have this really odd uh, rhythm to it because it it does not sound anything like people really talk uh, because yeah it is very much like one character will say one thing, will say like a line or a question, and then the next person will take their turn, and then it's a it's a very rhythmic back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the um and the way that the two um Sophie and her roommate, I can't remember what her name is, the way that they talk too right. is so funny because it's like they don't they're not really listening to each other, or they 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 have this they put the same uh uh like gravity on saying like oh the your professor's in love with you to like i'm gonna do laundry later like it's it's everything is like right up at the top and it's just it's it's funny but you know yeah and and my wife almost thought that uh, as she watched it that uh, at certain points they almost uh, especially the sophie and her roommates that they sound kind of like zombies just the way that they're (laughs) they're just they're a lot more monotone almost Mm -hmm. and it's they're just just the way that they're speaking their lines it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like they're droning them out yeah, it's a uh, it's got to be some kind of comment on like, you know, the youth of today, you know, they're never really focused, they're never really paying attention, but mm. it's cuz they're always, you know, she's always writing or they're always watching TV or like looking in a magazine or whatever and they don't have those uh the same like quote unquote important conversations that Henry and Jude are having. Yeah. And one I think one of the one of the parts of the this film towards the end that made me go from you know just kind of like um 
Oh yeah, this this movie is kind of interesting. It's kind of weird. It's kind of funny. Uh, to really enjoying it a lot more is whenever um, uh, whenever Sophie and Jude uh, she's reading her her story that she's been writing mm-hmm. uh, called him. Yeah, and she reads it, and then uh, Jude says um, that you know why don't you read it as if it were a woman and yeah. she reads it the exact same way, only she changes all the pronouns mm-hmm. and, and it really does uh, in this context, um, make it feel like she is writing much more about herself than she is writing about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really fantastic scene. It's a, uh, and that it's, it's funny because this movie is such a, like, you know, it is a romantic comedy, but this is an example of like, a really fantastic romantic comedy because they're doing like the story of, you know, professor falls for student, et cetera, et cetera. Like, obviously it's not going to go well. That story has been told many times. Right. But never like this and never like, or I mean, to my knowledge, I haven't seen all the romantic comedies yet. Um, But just, yeah, I mean the things that they were able to express in like different kind of odd ways that, uh, you know, I am, you're like uh made in manhattan or whatever like wouldn't be able to do <laughs> so i do like made in manhattan i will say that <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah it's a god damn it like it's such a good movie i don't think that it's i i can't find one thing wrong with it but i'm cu- because but i'm also like a huge hal hartley fan so i'm like i'm curious for people who don't know his work like you know if you have criticisms or whatever like what those would be yeah, I, I I would say that if there was anything to kind of put people off uh, about this film is just the overall kind of quirky nature. It, it is there is a lot of unusual characters and there's a lot of weird moments that don't always make any sense um, mm-hmm. and just seem out of place. Uh, like uh, another moment that that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if I like uh, or not, but and it's used a couple times. Is Sophie in the bookstore, which mm-hmm. is, it it seems like it's the big the busiest bookstore in the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or she's just standing in in the middle and she's just like, "Can I help someone? Does anybody need an assistance?" Yeah, and she just keeps repeating that, just kind of looking at nobody while this crowd of people just mills around her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I kind of feel like I, I understand why they did that or like, you know, she's, she's saying these words that she just doesn't mean at all. She doesn't want to help anyone or else she would be helping someone. Right. So it's like, that's the same. It's reflective of like their relationship. It's like, she loved the idea she fell in love with the idea of like oh i'm gonna have an affair with my professor like i'll be able to write about it or blah 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 but didn't actually want it so i don't know i mean like that's i also like how are you gonna end a movie like that (laughs) you know (laughs) what could they have possibly done or him like just uh yelling out of his uh while he's driving yelling out of the window too that would have been a good ending (laughs) yeah i I noticed like I knew it was coming to an end, but as soon as they they showed her uh, in that moment again, I I knew that it was going to end um, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I understand why you could be like have like a problem with it or just kind of question it, but 
that movie is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and and then there there is another character that we haven't talked about who I just really love the the idea of this character and that's Katie. Mm-hmm. Um the the homeless woman that just asks all just asks the random passerbyers to marry her. Yeah. And it's yeah. like she gets <laughs> offended if you try to like if you try to treat her like a homeless person that yeah. just wants money or or food. Um, because that's that's what Jude does at first. Like he offers her money, and she like basically throws it in his face. Yeah, she uh, yeah, she's fantastic, and she like and that actor did like such a good job too. She made me laugh a lot. But it's yeah, she just wanted love. She didn't want money or coffee or whatever. She just wanted the idea, and that's again the idea of it, right? Like cause she says <laughs> she just wanted someone to ask. Like yeah. she doesn't want to get married, <laughs> so it's a. Uh, yeah, it was a good character to, like, throw in there, because also, like, what else would um, Henry be doing? He would just, like, pop in and out when Jude needed someone to talk to, but it's good. Like, they had to give him, to to Hartley's credit, to give him his own storyline, too, that all just tied it together, because a lot of the times, the like, the friend in the romantic comedies, they have no life themselves, right? They just mm-hmm. pop in and out, like, <clears throat> how can I help you? Like, what's going on? I don't exist outside of these moments that we spend together. So, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, and, and that, I think the scene between uh, Katie and, and Henry, which it, it's also interesting that um, the only person that interacts with her, that asks her her name, is Henry. Because mm-hmm. Even though Jude interacts with her several different times throughout the movie, he never asks what her name is. Yeah. Even whenever we get to the end and and he takes that that next step and and he asks her to marry him, um, he yeah. still doesn't even find out what her name is. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. And I never really thought about that before. But that Henry was a uh, really drunk and just wanted someone to <laughs> talk to or whatever. But uh, yeah, his uh, yeah, that whole storyline is just so strange and so fantastic. Yeah. And, and it's something that, I mean, I, it's unlikely that you would see something like that in anywhere else. Yeah, like, oh, homeless people don't exist in the movies, right? Unless they're, like, um, <laughs> st- stealing something, uh, threatening someone physically, or, um, like, starting a revolution or something like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, or, like, the misunderstood hero, like, in, in Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bird lady. <laughs> Um, she was scary when we were kids, and so we were told to not fear her. <laughs> the other thing that that I really do enjoy about this film is that I can. It's one of those where I can tell that there's so many different layers to it because I've seen it like uh, one and a half times because um, I, I started it late one night and then I couldn't finish it, and then um, I started it over just yesterday from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, I can tell that there's still a lot more that could be pulled from it and, and repeat mm-hmm. viewings because there is a lot of, of what he's saying about just love and, and general and, um, like Jude's basically his obsessive, um, desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, and the fact that the other thing that we haven't mentioned is basically like the entire movie is almost an essay on that passage that they're reading from the brothers Karamazov. Karamazov? I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> um, that uh, 
it's like that's the the thesis of the movie right because he's kind of going through those steps of like being a good person and being brave and all of these things right that don't i mean obviously don't work out for him but <laughs> but it's a great like yeah i've i mean obviously i've seen the movie a number of times and i almost have that passage memorized now but it's a it's really fantastic yeah and and they do kind of hammer at home so much so that the other students in the class are like, we've, we've been on this paragraph for over a month now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the like, teach us something that, so we'll pass the class or like, and then he ends up like throwing the guy into a corner. You can just, he throws him out off screen and then you can hear like a crash. It's like, this is amazing. <laughs> That guy, actually, the student is in, has bigger roles in some of his other movies. Like, he reuses a lot of his, uh, his, his cast. And, uh, Martin Donovan is like a, he's one of his, like, his go-to, his go-to guys. He's probably been in the most. Robert John Burke, a couple other people have been in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. And, and then kind of one last thing I'll say is it was, nice to see, like, no, um, no actors that I recognized. Uh, yeah. Oh, you didn't know Martin Donovan? No, not really. Oh, he's, I think that he's more, like, you would, he's been on a bunch of, like, he was on Weeds for a while, um, and then, yeah, I just, like, I see him here and there, but he's not, you know, like a giant star by any means. Right. Mm-hmm. He's more of, a, like, a working actor. Yeah, well, he, uh, he's, I think that he might have... He might be on a TV show. I don't really like follow him, obviously, because I'm like, I don't know. but uh, but yeah, he he'll, every time he pops up in a movie, I'm like, oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I did really enjoy watching it. Um, I I don't know if it's enough to make me look up other Hal Hartley movies uh, right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... There are like I would if. You know, if if you think if if you're thinking about it, there's like a lot of. I mean, the unbelievable truth is a great one, and and all of his other movies do really follow more of a like narrative structure. They're probably a bit easier to watch. And there's the um his his um newest movie, um Ned Rifle, was the end of a um a trilogy with um Henry Fool and um Fagram and Ned Rifle and um Polly. Wait, Polly, what the hell's her name? <laughs> I just had the biggest brain. <laughs> <laughs> um what's her face whatever her name is who does this in like christopher guest movies that she is uh she's in all those movies and she's amazing all right and and, and another just nice thing about this this film is it is only like an hour long it, oh yeah it's really short <laughs> so it's something that you can just pop on if uh if you got an hour to kill yeah <laughs> All right, and then well. think about it for the next week because <laughs> you will be confused. <laughs> right, not not nearly as confused as I was watching Primer, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and that kind of goes the same way with the uh, the film that I had you watch for the first time. But before we get to that, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we will talk about TMNT. Woo. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Novastream Movies, your weekly guide to all the latest movie news and reviews, hosted by your special Aussie hosts, Ryan, Alistair, and Jonathan. Check us out online at www.novastreammovie.com. 
TMNT came out in 2007, directed by Kevin Monroe. It's the only theatrical, fully CGI turtle film, and it sort of follows after the first three live-action films, and it follows up on what they've been doing after Leonardo has gone off for a few years in, in another country to finish his training. Uh, it has a good combination of well-known actors in, in the voice roles like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Patrick Stewart, and Chris Evans right after his turn as the Human Torch. And it also has uh, actors who mostly do voice work in the roles of the Four Turtles like Nolan North and James Arnold Taylor. Um, I always thought that it was kind of a, a, a pretty good movie. I, I thought that it was... Uh, more or less better quality than than the uh, the first four, and um, it, it kind of strides the line between being like a, a kids' film and having just a little bit more meat on its bones um, than like maybe say the the current Michael Bray production uh, for the live action reboot. Um, and one of the reasons why I suggested this to you was because I knew that you were a fan of the original um, live-action turtle movies. So, what did you think about this one? I uh, yeah, I so like for a movie and like for the entire franchise, like that you have to suspend your the suspension of disbelief is that these turtles exist and can fight crime, et cetera, et cetera. I did like the movie, it, I, and I was really surprised because I thought that it was going to be a giant piece of crap. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like. You know, I have some, I have some problems with it. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really care for the animation style, and but I was trying to like kind of get past that and just pay attention to story. But I did, um, I enjoyed the story. Yeah, was, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, the with the the animation. Uh, it, it does kind of borrow the look of the the original Turtles. And I, th I think the biggest difference looking at this compared to like the last year's film is that it sticks with the uh, like the round bulbous noses and instead of trying to give them a nose. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hated those noses <laughs> in the new one so much. It's just like they look they made them look so creepy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, did not did not care for it. And, and I do agree that there there are uh, some kind of holes in this film, but I, I think overall it it is um, for the people that have seen it because it, it it is also one of those that have kind of fallen into obscurity a bit. Um, but I do think that it's generally held as a slightly higher quality than like the the original um, live action movies. Mm -hmm. It was, I feel like, like, I'm glad that I also have some familiarity with the comic books before seeing this too, because I probably would have hated it, but I can, but I recognize it as like being true to kind of the tone and like the characters and everything like that, that before the, um, before the action figures changed everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, uh, yeah, I did. I, I appreciated that. Cause I was like, this isn't really like for kids at all <laughs> yeah and then i was listening to the the commentary yesterday and apparently this they were worried that they were going to get a pg-13 instead of a pg <laughs> and and they were like whenever the the ratings board came in and 
they got their PG, they they all like breathed a huge sigh of relief. Yeah, that would have been bad for them. <laughs> uh, because the, this is, and 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 I watch a lot of like the the DC animated films, right? And those, the tone of those are all PG thirteen, like almost an R. Uh, wow. And some of the the tone. Uh, as dark as they go, and and this is uh, it strides like the opposite end of the line, where it is like on the darker end of a PG, almost to a PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a little bit almost like I'm. I'm curious. I'm curious if children. I mean, besides the fact that it's like the turtles, right? So kids mm-hmm. would want to see it, but I'm curious if they're what their response would be like maybe you know like a seven-year-old or something like that they would they be bored or like you know um, so well, i gotta find some kids <laughs> <laughs> well i can I, say I, that um that my daughter she wasn't interested in it um whenever i was watching it this time very much but i i'm pretty sure the last time that i watched it uh she watched it with me and she did enjoy it quite a bit. Okay, good. How old is she? Uh she's 8 right now. Yeah. Okay, well that was exactly the the age group that I was looking for. So thank you for answering my question. <laughs> <laughs> I have so I want to I want to um make fun of the movie a little bit if that's okay. <laughs> oh, it's sure. I have no problems with that. There there's quite a few places where uh where you can kind of pick this movie apart. Yeah, it's uh it's so like because the introduction is okay, this is, you know, kind of what's been happening, like they're ca- catching up with everyone and seeing what they're doing and it's like so Donatello is working from home and then who's the oh and Yeah, I I do love Donatello's job just as, as the IT phone help. Yeah. <laughs> the and then what's it Mike oh it's and Mike is the has put puts on a a larger head of himself and uh goes and is a children's entertainer but it's so the it just made me laugh so much when i think it was and raf comes back and because he's the vigilante at night and uh and then they were mad at him they're like oh well at least we're contributing or whatever it's like since when did you need money like what (laughs) were you doing before you didn't have day jobs before when you guys were just like (laughs) fighting crime as a team like it's like they were given donations or something from the city but the city does not like know about them they're not heroes in that sense right so it's just like what that doesn't even make any sense like why are you working (laughs) that made me laugh a lot so i like that it was a good start but it was funny to see them like i'm like oh okay this is how like mutated turtles would <laughs> live and fit function in like normal quote unquote society. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do love that. Like, uh, in Mikey's, um, birthday party suit, he like has this fake zipper that he just puts on the next yeah. front still. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That was funny though. I was like, that's, that's pretty clever. Like, yeah. but kids like steal giant heads. Right. I'm surprised that it wasn't like that would be I would like to see that moment in the movie. I wonder if there's like a cut that some <laughs> like a deleted scene where a child just like it's like runs by and steals the head and then just goes Wah! and drops it and runs away. <laughs> yeah, I, there's not that it, it is extended a little bit, but I think it's just it's just another gag in there. Yeah. Um, but I like some of the, the holes that I poke in it is. I think it's really weird that that nobody except for Casey Jones puts two and two together that Raphael is the night watcher. Yeah. 
yeah, like who else would it be? Right. And and especially You literally as- see him leaving <laughs> at night. <laughs> yeah. And and especially like I don't think it bothered me watching it this time as much, but the fight scene between Leonardo and the Night Watcher, like the entire uh, first half of that, I'm like I'm thinking to myself, well, Leonardo obviously knows that that's Raphael because some of the dialogue makes it seem that way. But then whenever he knocks the helmet off and he's like, oh my god, it's Raphael! I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a, such a strange. It's just like. Oh, the your brother who you've grown up with and trained with and have been fighting and would know his fighting style and even like the way that he stands and holds himself, you didn't notice? Okay. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. But also this is a cartoon about four turtles. So it's okay. It's all it's all fine. <laughs> yeah, I I think the other a kind of slight issue that I had um, is the fact that that Winters the the uh, setup is the villain of the piece, um, who's this three thousand year old general. Like, he's had three thousand years. He's had all this money, and he waits until the last week to gather up all the all these thirteen monsters. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, if like you have a lifetime, then you take your time doing things. <laughs> Where was now? I can't remember. Was it? It was coordinated for a certain time of like something being a portal being open or something. Was that right. what it was? Yeah, it was every three thousand years. The those thirteen stars line up and open right. this portal. Yeah. So he's just like hoping that. Uh, April will like find all of these thousands year old relics to get them back in time where she's just like, oh, I'm just going off like conveniently. This is also where Leonardo is. So I'll just drop in and tell him what's up. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't get held up in customs. Yeah, seriously. That kind of stuff is red tape all over it. <laughs> relics yeah it was um yeah that was such a like wacky storyline but i'm like whatever i'm into it let's just go <laughs> yeah, and and one uh, another thing that i do like about this is it does have these like twists and turns now it, it does set up as winters as being like the bad guy from the beginning um did you think that he was going to be like the bad guy or did you kind of catch the fact that he's not really the bad guy yeah it was weird because i was like i feel like the movie kind of wanted us to like him but we're also making him kind of devious so i was i was kind of confused but then when he was like no i'm doing this for good then i'm like oh okay that's that makes sense now but i didn't uh yeah i i, I wasn't like oh he's actually a good guy yeah they kind of they tricked me a little bit <laughs> Yeah, because he is painted as like this sympathetic villain almost because they it's hard for me to to get back into the mindset of somebody who hasn't seen this before several times Mm -hmm. because they they do lay in a lot of this like sympathy to where uh, they talk about how much guilt that he must have felt and Mm -hmm. how this portal opens three thousand every three thousand years and then he's collecting these monsters where it's um, like it, it's hard for me to go back because I can obviously tell because I know that he's collecting them in order to put them back and, and end his immortality. Right. Um, but there's also this level that that everybody thinks that he's the villain, which I, I'm one thing that I, I I think is probably a problem with it 
is it doesn't there's not really a sense of what his end plan would be as a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if he were actually to well to do what the relics wanted to do and just release chaos into the world. Right. Right? Like that but that's always like, you know, villains are hilarious. <laughs> it's like, well, that if you destroy the world then you know, you're done. Like, what else? Like, <laughs> you know, there's not really an end game there. Yeah. Or especially, like, someone who is immortal, right? Like, yeah. what's your... Like, you, you you seem pretty cushy right now when you destroy humanity with all of these demons or whatever. Like, how are you going to live? <laughs> how comfortable will you be then? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, just a world full of fire and chaos. Yeah, and, and apparently yeah. the... Whenever he revives his, like, half-revives his uh, lieutenants that had been turned to stone, they're suddenly, they're kind of uh, nice characters just because, I mean, we really only get to see one of them, the the main lieutenant, um, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, I think, who has, he always has, like, this great deep voice. Mm. Um I always love his voice whenever he he shows up. Uh, he does a lot of voice work. Okay. Um, but he, like, uh, I guess, apparently being in stone, they weren't conscious at all. Um, so they haven't lived for these 3,000 years like Winters has. And they're yeah. like, well, we're immortal now, so we want to keep being immortal for a while yeah there's not uh there's there's another deleted scene of uh seeing them be like all like blast from the past like what what like what are these (laughs) things what is this world that has completely changed like not phased at all they're just like all right like i know how to take a cab i don't know that's a bad example (laughs) (laughs) you know they just like are totally into it (laughs) yeah and I think there, there's also like a, a little bit of a disconnect because we have the Foot Clan and and they're led by um, oh what's her name I have it up I can't uh, remember uh, Karai right 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 and um, I believe I'm and, and they don't address it really in this film um, but I get the impression that she's the daughter of Splinter I'm not Splinter Shredder okay I did not know that. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I might just be like making something up in my head, but I feel like that's something that exists in the comics and I read somewhere. Okay, that's cool. And, and so she's now the leader of, of the Foot Clan. Uh, yeah, what's left of it. <laughs> right, which it seems like there's still plenty of them. It's funny because it's like the, I mean, what also would make us think like, oh, this guy's evil is because he's using the foot, right? Then you're just Mm -hmm. like, but the fact that they were like, well, you hired us, so we're going to do whatever. Like, really, Foot Clan? Would you really do that? Yeah. (laughs) That was was a strange turn. And also, as far as the collecting the monsters are concerned, they seem pretty ineffective. (laughs) because Yeah, they're just there. (laughs) Yeah, because they like... They're there and they're having trouble with the monsters, and then the four stone generals come in and they're the ones that actually capture everything. Yeah, where I was hired as a uh, babysitters for the, <laughs> the generals. <laughs> Just don't let them get too crazy. Not like you could stop them anyway, right? So yeah, uh, well, I, I think what they actually were hired for, which. It it's kind of in there, but it's it's also just kind of glossed over. Is they're more there to find the monsters, right? Rather than actually capture them. Mm-hmm. 
So they were the uh, the eyes the, and ears. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's like the generals wouldn't have known how to like how to how to take a cab. Like they don't know how to get. <laughs> if I can use, they're a um, they're the uh, blank check limo driver. If I can use a uh, <laughs> slightly outside <laughs> reference, they're Rick DeCommon and blank check. Who actually, someone told me that he passed away recently, which is sad because he is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that, <laughs> throw that in there. I, 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 blank check. <laughs> I don't remember the limo driver, but I do remember the movie Blank Check. Yeah, it's That's great. It's Ted Danson, right? No, um, it's, uh, who was the, I remember, like, Tone Loke is in it, but <laughs> it's just the kid that gets his, like, bicycle run over, and the guy who's, like, in with, like, organized crime of some sort, like, is in a rush and just writes him a blank check for, um, to replace the bike, yeah. so he, kid he writes being a kid. the exact amount. Oh, it's... he puts it for a million dollars, and then buys the world. You could, in the early 90s, you could buy whatever you wanted with a million dollars. You could buy a house and outfit it with, like, the craziest stuff ever. It was, it's amazing. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was also a, a thing because he wrote it for the exact amount of some deal that was going down at the exact same yeah. time. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Juice? No thanks, I'm not thirsty. <laughs> Oh, I love that movie. That's going to get a rewatch soon. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I totally uh, took us off track there. <laughs> I get distracted. Um, yeah, so the foot, um, I, I I can accept it, whatever. I'll accept whatever this movie is telling me because it's a cartoon also, so it has that working for it. But uh, but it was strange that, like, how did that end with them? Did they, They're just like, peace, we're going to beat you up later. <laughs> I feel like that's how, that's how they left. They're like, (laughs) we'll be back. Turtles. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what did you think of the, the, the casting? And there, there's also this, uh, like subplot with, um, Casey and, and April's relationship. Yeah. I actually didn't, um, I think I, I had seen, cause I think I just like IMDb'd before and I noticed, oh, like Chris Evans, is in it, but I'm so yeah. And Chris like, Evans says top build too. Yeah, of course he is. It's I don't know because I don't watch a lot of animated movies, so I'm not really and it's that then the disconnect for like hearing someone unless I'm like unless they have a really interesting voice that I would be able to recognize easily, or I'm like a big fan of them, so I would recognize their voices. I am awful, awful at figuring out who. Um, who the actors are, even like Sarah Michelle Gellar, who like, I, you know, I watched Buffy like obsessively and I did not realize it was her until I looked it up later. <laughs> like, damn. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. So for that reason, it was fine. I mean, nothing stuck out. It was like, Oh, that person has a weird voice. Like it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, like watching it this time, I, I did kind of appreciate um, like Casey and, and April's little relationship. Although I've, I thought that, on one hand, I kind of liked the fact that April had been, like, learning how to fight, which makes sense, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think she would would have been as good as she is. Like, they show her in in the the big fight scene at the end with all the the Foot Clan, like, holding her own against Karai, which I thought that seemed a little bit 
far-fetched. Yeah, like someone who was raised into it between, like, yeah, Kurai I would have kicked anyone's ass too, right? And I don't think, like, like Casey Jones is a thug, right? So it's like, yeah. why is he such a good fighter too? But I appreciate that um, they, they let her into that, because it always kind of bugged me, because I know that, like, um, in all the different incarnations, it's usually like Casey and April are like a thing, right? Because you can't have a female who is just there, right? Like she has yeah. to have this other, like it's not enough that she's like facilitating all this stuff and helping them out and they wouldn't be able to like do anything without her, right? It's like, no, she has to have a romance in there because she's a woman. Uh, but even, and even also, even though they undercut, like when she comes out with her like ninja costume, Casey's like, damn, you know, <laughs> that, that, so they, you know, they sexualized her instead of being like, no, she's going to like kick some ass right now. The fact that they had her fighting was awesome. So, you know, they undercut it as much as they could, but it was still good that she was fighting. Yeah. And, and I will say, which. Uh, I didn't really notice it on the first the first time or even the first couple times I watched it, but like listening to the the commentary, the the fight scene with whenever they're uh, like storming the castle at, towards the end mm. with all the with the two hundred and fifty foot soldiers, um, which like uh, on the commentary uh, Kevin Monroe's he's talking about like all the limits of animation and. Like in from Hong Kong, they would say, "All right, you can't have any more than like 250 foot soldiers in 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 this scene because that's that's where our budget cap is. So how many <laughs> do you want?" And he's like, "I want 250." Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I don't really think about that. It's like and, well, it's and just also, animation. <laughs> and also that scene was um, it's a, a one uh, it's a single shot. Right. It it doesn't cut. It's like moves from one character to another, mm-hmm. and it's like a really fluid shot that that shows everybody fighting. And it, it even gets like a, a moment with Splinter, mm-hmm. uh, which you rarely get to see him fight, especially in like the the live action. Yeah, yeah, because they just couldn't make it. Like, how are you going to make that work? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I love seeing all those like behind the scenes things of like those poor actors carrying around all that weight in those like latex suits or whatever the hell they're made of. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I really don't know enough about animation to like appreciate it as much as I think that I should. But it was just, it just like I got into it, and it was fine. But I think I was initially thrown off because that style reminded me so much of like the all of the like. DC, the DC like TV shows, right? Of like all the different, all the different ones that I didn't, that I saw like when I was a kid or whatever that I really didn't like. So I was just like, well, I don't like this style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 I do want to mention a couple other voices that uh, that is pretty nice. That the fact that that Splinter is um, his voice was uh, Mako. Um, he's probably best known. He was the um, uh, I forget the the narrator in Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay, that's cool. And he passed away. That was this his last role, right? Um, I I think he had one one other like small role in a film that came out just a little bit afterwards. Rise, Blood Hunter. It's like a, a vampire movie with Lucy Liu. Ooh, uh, <laughs> I watched that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've actually seen that one myself. Uh, it has Michael Chiklis in it too. Nice. <laughs> um, <That> sounds amazing. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, they announced um, his role at San Diego. I think it was San Diego Comic Con. Um, they announced that he was the voice, and then the very next day they found out that he passed away. Oh my god, that's so sad. Yeah, and and this uh, this film has the like the the last credit is in memory of him and um, uh, somebody else who I think was like. Uh, one of the animators in Hong Kong or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it was nice because he, he does have this um, like Asian accent mm-hmm. to Splinter where he sounds like he's uh, like he came from Japan, like his master was um, Master Yoshi. And there there's a background element um, where there's this like Japanese looking picture in the the turtle's lair. Mm-hmm. And, and that's supposed to be Master Yoshi. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's true, because it's like, they should, like, he should have an accent. Like, Splinter has an accent, so, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Karai, um, she was also voiced by Ji uh, uh, Zhang. Mm-hmm. So she also has, like, the, the thick um, Japanese accent, too. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I really, I appreciated that. But it's not like, you know, it wasn't, thank God it wasn't just like a white person affecting right. that accent. That would have been bad for a number of reasons. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did, uh, I did really like all the actors. Yeah, and, and there there's a lot of uh, background elements like in the turtle's lair, which if, if you like look up Easter eggs, um, they're really neat. Like whenever at the end they they hang up the uh, um, uh, Winter's helmet, like on on the little shrine that they have. Yeah. Uh, you can also see on there Splinter's helmet. Or, I keep getting saying them mixed up. They both start with an S. They Shred- are very confusing. <laughs> Shredder's helmet. Um, and at the bottom you see the uh, the time staff from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. That's really funny. They uh, even though it's like so, it's just a mix of like, hey, here's all the stuff that we did. So like, we mm-hmm. killed this guy, killed this guy. <laughs> that guy's gone. I guess we'll take his hat. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And there's also like other little elements that that I think are are neat, like. Um, there's a payphone in their lair, and on top of it, they've they've put the extra mile that there's like a stack of quarters there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they're not getting any uh, cell reception down there. I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> and this was the first. Um, the dudes, the stu- the dudes, the studio that made it was this their first one. Um, I, I feel actually, like I read that somewhere. I'm not sure. I know that this wasn't a very um, it wasn't very great at the box office mm-hmm. uh, because the uh, Kevin Monroe he's, he's the director and he also wrote it, um, but he had like an outline for uh, two other movies after this mm-hmm. um, that obviously weren't able to get made because this film didn't make enough money. That's crazy because I yeah that's what one of the things I came across too that it was like cost in the mid 30s to make and it made in the mid 90s so like what's wrong with that how is that not enough to make oh. 60 million on a movie like this is crazy it's just crazy well at least according to IMDb it made 54 million but that might that might just be the box office maybe well I mean that might just be the uh, 
the U.S. box office. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I don't know, the, who knows what, like, crazy crap, like, I don't even know what I was reading. It could just be, like, some guy being like, I think that it made a <laughs> billion dollars. And I'm like, wow, I won't double check this anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but still, so it's still made. I mean, even if it is fifty or whatever, like it's still made more. Like, isn't that a success? I guess they're going by popularity. They're like, we don't have enough to make a franchise out of this, right? Like it's um, like it was profitable. Like even if even if that was the entire gross, where it, the budget was thirty some million and and it grossed fifty uh, some million, um, even whenever you take out the the marketing budget, that's still. Uh, would be profitable after you get add in the home video, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't like a, a runaway success for them to immediately greenlight a sequel. Yeah, and, and I get the feeling that um, yeah, the animation studio was Imagi. Right. And let's see, they went on to do Astro Boy after mm-hmm. this, and it doesn't look like they've done anything since 2010. Oh. Hmm. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that you want to mention about TMNT? Mm, I think that it would be since we're talking about, um, the, like the franchise that never happened to, if they were to just kind of keep it going, because like, I love, you know, I will probably watch now having seen the two newest ones, I would watch any more turtles movies that they make. But if they kind of kept it going of like, okay, like this is live action with like animatronics, like they're going to be CG in this one or like now we're going to have an animated one. But if they all followed the same basic like storyline, if they just kind of kept it going, that would be really cool. Like if they did almost like a Marvel like phases, right? But it was just the turtles. Like (laughs) that would be I would totally be I would be into that if it was like especially if it's like a story that you're following and you can like if they serialize it, but Right. Yeah, but if it's like Michael Bay is doing TMNT. Yeah, and and I think it would have been nice to see where this follows with Karai and and the Foot Clan. Because it's almost like it I almost got the feeling that they were hinting that like Shredder was still alive, or yeah, still there cool. was still some sort of presence with him. And I heard um, again in the commentary he talks about I I think it's in the comics where there's like this um, infighting within the Foot Clan where there's like two different segments of the Foot Clan almost fighting each other. Hmm, that's cool. I would like to see the. Um... Well, there's actually, like, now that I'm kind of, that I'm much more familiar, there's a lot of plot lines that I would like to see follow through with. But, like, having this, because, I I mean, I did like this movie, but to see it in live, to see it live action would have been really great. Like, it would just would have been more, I could, I could take it a lot more seriously, I guess, even though it's still Turtles. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just want it to be like the movies from my youth, basically. And I just want to be exactly what I want it to be. (laughs) I don't know why it can't. (laughs) And and before we wrap things up here, I I do want to ask, what did you think about, you have seen the, the uh, last year's Turtles, right? Yeah, yeah, I eventually, I watched it not too long ago. It, yeah, it was stupid. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I did not like it. I didn't think that I was going to like it, though, because I remember when the, the first images came out of, like, oh, this is what the turtles are going to look like. I was like, don't like it. No. Uh, do you think, just based on the early reports of what's, what's going on with the second one, do you think they're, 
Uh, do you think they're going to learn from their mistakes at all? Do um, like what do you think about what's known about the uh, the next TM the next Turtles movie? I have been totally um, like I did not know anything about that. Actually, I don't even know if I knew that they were planning one. So yeah, I got no idea. What have you heard? <laughs> um, well, the the stuff that I've heard is mostly makes me uh, more positive towards it uh, because the the guy that plays Arrow, Stephen Amell, uh, they're bringing him in to play Casey Jones. Okay. Um, and they have brought in uh, jo- Judith Hogue, who played... Nice, nice. Oh, you yeah. know what? I did hear that, that I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bringing her in for a role. Um, so it sounds like they're they're trying to do a better job of honoring the the uh, the character's past. Mm-hmm. So I think if they do that in the right way, that they, they can improve quite a bit on the first movie, which I was okay on the first movie. Yeah, I uh, I was just like I know because I put it I I watched it a couple months ago, so I just looked up my letterbox and all I wrote was why do they have noses? <laughs> <laughs> That's it's helpful. It's helpful. Thank you. Past me. <laughs> I was clearly very distracted by the noses. That's all I focused on. Yeah, they are pretty distracting. I've, yeah, I saw like a um, a fan edit. Somebody photoshopped uh, a, the uh, the turtles with the classic bulbous noses and it did improve their look quite a bit. Yeah, nice. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, and I didn't like how they're all like like hunched over and just kind of and ripped too. It was just like the whole the whole thing was very strange and just how they all their mannerisms and everything. It just it really threw me off. That was there if they were trying to like Christopher Nolan this franchise, they did not succeed. Uh, they they really did like caricature their their personality traits a little bit too far. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it threw me off. All right. Well, I would like to thank you for talking with me today. Um, it was a good conversation. I was glad to have you on. I'm, I'm a big fan of Super Zero, and I'm looking forward to the, the second season coming up soon. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. July 23rd, I think. <laughs> Ant-Man, which I'm very excited to watch. All right. And if you want to remind everybody where they can find you online... Yeah, we are at the Twitters on at oh man, what is our Twitter? Super it's Zero Super Pod? Zero Cast. Super Zero Cast. I'm the worst. Matt's gonna listen to this and <laughs> yell at me later. I know he is. <laughs> Why can't you get Twitter right? <laughs> yeah, it's an ongoing joke with us that I'm really bad at Twitter. <laughs> at Super Zero Cast, that's good enough. And then there's links to you can find me from there. All right. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat. It's easy for me to remember. Um, and uh, flights, tights, and movie nights.com and channel superhero.com. And you can find the show film wise on uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and uh, anywhere else you can find podcasts. And uh, if you want to know what two films I'll be talking about on the next episode, go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. Miguel, the revolutionary? In two days, we'll have enough of those aging compound to affect that entire city. He's demanding $1 billion immediately.